Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who probably will not be watching the new season of The Bachelorette, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing very, very well. Uh, I will not be watching the new season of The Bachelorette. Uh, much more of a Bachelor guy. Uh, not not going to be able to get into it, Trevor. I know you're excited, um, and you know maybe it'll be a good season, but it's just, it's not quite for me. You know, I'm just I'm just not going to be able to watch it. Um, but are you? I mean, you're excited, right? Yeah, I'm excited, and and if you're not excited for that, we also have Big Brother coming up soon too. Yes, I believe, we do. In early July, so. Which, if you guys like Big Brother, there's a little podcast I've heard of. It's called the Five Seconds of Fame podcast. It's by us, the Small Ballers. Uh, ben, Trevor, and I all do uh, you know a whole podcast every single week talking about Big Brother. So if you like Big Brother, that starts July seventh or July fifth. I feel like it, I think it is July seventh, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And we'll be back podcasting about that, so that'll be that'll be super, super fun. Little plug there. Um, but we have an interesting episode today. We don't have Ben with us again. He will be back next week. Do not worry. We have had full confirmation he will be back unless he gets sick or something like that. But he will be back. Um, today we have a little bit of an interesting episode, don't you think, Trevor? Well, we're doing things a little differently. Very interesting episode, yes. Yes, yeah, so today what we're going to do, we're just going to do a whole NBA playoff preview. Uh, no small talk today, no randomly ranked or trivia. All of that will be back next week. But for this week, we're just going to be talking about the NBA playoffs um, because they're starting today. You know, as we record this, uh, they'll be you know recording this at 11.30 a.m. EST. Uh, so we got, what, an hour? Oh, wait, is it 1 o'clock your time? Well, they, yeah, so they start, the first four games were yesterday, and now the second four games are today, like the game ones. So at my time, the first game will start in a little over two hours. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, yeah, yeah. what is it, two hours then? Uh, yeah. We got, we got games starting. Um, so let's get right into it, Trevor. Um, so what, what's it, you know, we're going to talk about the playing games first, yes? Yeah, so we got the playing games. Uh, they started, obviously, last Tuesday, where we had uh, the Eastern Conference teams played on Tuesday. So we had the Hornets and the Pacers, uh, where the Pacers just completely demolished the Hornets, uh, 144-117. to 117. Pretty embarrassing performance from the Hornets, if I'm being honest. Uh, they give up 144 points in a, uh, you know, a, a kind of a do-or-die game, loser goes home. Just... Not, not a good showing from the Hornets. The Pacers win that. Uh, you had guys like um, O'Shea Brissett, who's a young uh, young player out of Syracuse who had a really good game. Uh, TJ McConnell, my guy, had a really good game out of Arizona. Um, and then we had the other game, the Celtics beating the Wizards 118-100. to So neither of those games were all that interesting, both kind of blowouts. Um, and that game, Westbrook didn't play as well. Tatum was insane. Uh, Tatum had, I think, 50 points in this 50. game, just really... Yep. Um, just like, you know, one of these games you get from Tatum every so often, you know, at once, I would say now, probably once every two or three weeks, at least you get a game from Tatum as he is, you know, a rising superstar, but we get into Wednesday, which we got a couple really good games. I thought now the Grizzlies and Spurs game, one that people aren't talking about anymore. Cause obviously there were other games that were better, but that Grizzly Spurs game was actually really interesting to me. Uh, it was more of a... Um, I don't. I don't know if I want to say old school because my image of old school is like 2010, 2009, stuff like that. Um, but this game kind of felt like that. It was slower paced. Uh, the score 100 to 96. The Grizzlies beat the Spurs in that one, and it was just kind of like a you know neither team was really shooting well from three. They're kind of grinding it out, trying to get buckets. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I found it like a nice change of pace. I really enjoyed it. The Grizzlies do come out with a win in that one. Jonas Valanciunas was just 
uh, incredible. He was uh, kind of dominating. He had 23 points, 23 rebounds. And I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, you know, a couple weeks ago, but Jonas Valanciunas has really become a gr- like a really good player. And it's uh, something that I didn't really have my eye on maybe at the beginning of the season, like, oh, Jonas Valanciunas, he's just kind of like a decent role player. But no, like, Jonas Valanciunas is one of the best big men in the NBA. He he could be a potential, he could at least be in contention for an all-star appearance next year. Maybe. He's very good. So I wanted to point that out. And then the game, obviously, that everyone was looking forward to that we did get was the Warriors and the Lakers. Now, coming into this game, you know, it was going to be, it was kind of hard to know what to expect. For me, I just kind of trusted like, hey, LeBron's back on the court, Anthony Davis on the court. Uh, Schroeder back on the court. I think the Lakers are probably going to win this by like 8 to 10 points, but that's not what happened. The Warriors came out very strong in the first half, particularly on defense. Um, I believe LeBron and Anthony Davis were a combined 3 of 19 from the floor in the first half. Definitely kind of seemed like LeBron wasn't, definitely not 100%. I, I was thinking maybe 70, 75%. Didn't look right. And if you're a LeBron fan or if you're a Lakers fan, you're getting a little worried by that first half. Um, but then the second half came, and obviously the Lakers made a big push. LeBron and Anthony Davis both turned it around. Um, obviously in that second half, LeBron ended up with a triple-double, 22-11-10. Still not the greatest performance overall, but the second half was much better. And obviously we saw the last play, that three that he had, uh, the longest game-winning shot I think he's he's ever had. I think that one, I don't know how many feet it was. It was like 20, looked like about 26, 27 feet. It was like a logo three, you know, the, the ones that far. Dame and Steph usually take. Um, similar to the one actually Dame hit against the Thunder a couple years ago in the playoffs. So very good shot there. Um, Anthony Davis had a pretty decent game, 25 and 12. Steph was pretty incredible once again, uh, pretty efficient, 37.7 rebounds, but uh, did not get it done. So, Brennan, I know you watched some of this game. Um what were your thoughts about kind of how the Lakers had a slow start and then they were able to pick it up and uh, squeeze out the win there? So I was I was nervous throughout this whole game. Um, and I was really, really nervous because I, I just didn't think the Lakers were going to win. I didn't think LeBron was going to make the playoffs. Um, and obviously this wouldn't have been the end all, you know, if they if they lost this game. But at the same time, I just thought they were going to lose. You know, it's the first time AD and LeBron have been back together for, what, two and a half, three months? Yeah. Um, you know, and they're, they just aren't in form quite yet. And I think as the playoffs go on, they're going to get better and better just because they're going to get back in form. But I was nervous first game back. Steph Curry's been scoring 50 points like every single night, it seems like. You know, I just thought it might have been too much. And, you know, the first half, obviously, was very telling. Um, you know, the, the Warriors came out very, very hot. And, you know, it started to get better as the game went on. Um, but it was a really, really, really fun, great game. The Warriors scoring got lessened. You know, there's one guy I, I do want to talk about. It's actually not LeBron James. It's Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso is a fabulous defender. And, obviously, Steph still had 37. You know, he had a good game. But that second half, the, the Warriors only scored 24 and 21 points. Uh, it's not a lot of points in today's NBA at all. Uh, maybe ten years ago in your your old times NBA, that was that was those wouldn't be bad quarters, um, but not today's NBA. So I, I thought Caruso did a fabulous job on Curry. You know, there's no way to fully stop the man. He's, if not the greatest shooter of all time, one of the best shooters of all time. Uh, but Caruso did a fabulous job. LeBron hit that great shot at the end. Still finished with the triple double even on an off shooting night. Um, still at 22, 11, and 10. Um, but you know, I'm happy the Lakers are in the playoffs. Um, I expect them to do well in the playoffs, especially the more time that they get, you know, playing together and, you know, back in the groove of things. 
Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a very good game. Um, you know, the Warriors, they had a lot of turnovers in this one, which really hurt them. It kind of felt like that the Warriors should have had this game, and then they not necessarily gave it away because, again, the Lakers did play well, but they did have just too many turnovers, and that's something that I think um, has been kind of the case with the Warriors in a lot of games I've watched this year where they just seem to turn it over too much, um, and they definitely did that, especially in the third quarter in this one. But then uh, they get another opportunity on Friday night. And honestly, that, that Thursday night game, I can kind of skip over it. The Wizards just completely dominated the Pacers. Um, yeah. Russell Westbrook, coming off of his bad game on Thursday, turned it around, had a better, much better game. Bradley Beal played really well, and they just kind of dominated. So the Wizards, they make the playoffs. Um, obviously, great for them, great performance. But then Friday night, we did another incredible game uh, in the Western Conference between the Grizzlies and Warriors. And this is just really unfortunate for the Warriors because, like I just mentioned, they probably should have won that Lakers game. And now here, they fall to the Grizzlies, 117-112 to 112 in overtime. And just kind of, you know, it's a tough break for them, obviously, this incredible season that Steph has had. Um, you know, obviously, without Klay Thompson, um, and obviously, they don't have Kevin Durant anymore. So, you know, that's a, a, kind of a somber end for him to a really good individual season. But the Grizzlies, you got to give them credit. I mean, John Morant to step up in this big of a game and is only a second year. I think he's only, he's definitely younger. I think he's younger than me. He's probably like 21, I'm guessing. I'm not too sure. But, you know, second year to have a big game like that. He had 35 points, six rebounds, six assists. Um, relatively efficient, too. He shot five of ten for threes, which... Mm-hmm. John Morant in that game they had on uh, it would be last Sunday the last game of the regular season the Grizzlies and Warriors also played and the Warriors were really daring jaw to shoot a lot in that game and he was kind of hesitating you saw like early on he's hesitating he's missing some of those open threes in this game it seemed like he came out more aggressive he was just confident he was just like you know what you're giving me the threes I'm going to take them I'm going to step into them confidently and mm-hmm. he made 50% of them so credit to John Morant there in a huge game where it's win or go home, he stepped up. But this game got really interesting because I, I wanted to mention this one kind of controversial call. Uh, late in the game, the Grizzlies were up 97-92, to and Jordan Poole had the ball. He shoots a three, and they call a foul on Desmond Bain, who kind of went to challenge it, and like it seemed like may have grazed his arm or something, may have you know, landed in, like, I guess they say his landing zone, you know, and in the NBA, we have all these kinds of calls where it's like, it's tricky when you're like, found a three-point shooter, and I know a lot of fans get kind of angry, it's like, oh, that's like, you know, the NBA soft, why are you calling those fouls, and this one truly, though, because um, a, a, lot of the to- a lot of the time, I think those calls actually are right, like, because they do hit the arm or they do land in their landing zone and, and stuff like that. And by the rules, that's the correct call a lot of the time. But this one, to me, was not the correct call. Um, Desmond Bain didn't even, from the reviews I saw, didn't even touch Jordan Poole, didn't even make contact with him, seemed totally fine. Jordan Poole actually stuck out his right leg to make contact with Desmond Bain. So, you know, a little, definitely a little uh, tricky there. Jordan Poole <laughs> doing a good job, I guess, credit to him for, for kind of tricking the refs there. But it's also kind of weird because uh, the Grizzlies, you know, last couple minutes of the game, this, I mean, this play was, yeah, in the last two minutes, they could have challenged it, which if they would have challenged it, it would have certainly, I think, been reversed. 
And that would have been a big difference because Jordan Pulley steps up the line. He makes all three free throws, cutting it from a five-point game to a two-point game with only a minute 45 left. And instead, it could have been reversed, which to me would have sealed it right there for the Grizzlies. But nevertheless, they do get the win. Just to, you know, got to to give it up to the Warrior, or the Grizzlies there with uh, John Morant playing just some great basketball. Um, and yeah, that's... That's that's pretty much it for the play-in tournament. And that kind of brings me to a question I had for you, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there have been a lot of players that have come out and have been kind of uh, against the play-in tournament, obviously. Usually, it's the players who are in jeopardy of being in the play-in tournament pretty often. Obviously, Mark Cuban, Luka Doncic, uh, LeBron was out against it. Um, some of those other players. But I wanted to ask, after seeing now these play-in games, do you want it to stay? Do you think that the play-in tournament either in this format or maybe you can tweak it a little bit, but do you want it to stay? You know, th- this is a very tough question because uh, as a fan, the playing tournament's fun, right? You know, th- we get these really, really high-intensity games. You know, you, you win or you're out, pretty much. Um, however, I understand as a player, this is not as fun. you got to play another game. It's another uh, game on your body. You know, it, you know, it's players like LeBron that are older. You know, they got to play another game in, in already a long season for these guys. Um, so I, I think I'd rather have just the top eight teams make it. I think I'm going to say no against the playing tournament. The reason I'm going to say this um, is I, I imagine if LeBron or Steph Curry or John Morant, whoever, Jason Tatum, gets hurt in one of these games. Their team makes the playoffs, and now you know that team doesn't have that playoff, that playoffs. And I understand you could be like, well, they could get hurt any game. I understand that, but when you're playing more games, there's more of a chance of that. So, in my opinion, I love watching the play-in tournament. I, I think it was really, really fun to watch. It's a neat idea. It definitely generates more money, you know, more games, more money. Um, but I would lean against it. I, I think just having that risk of injury. It's the same thing with, like, the extended NFL season. I didn't want the NFL season extended at all. Um, so, it's, it, it's a tough call. It's a very, very tough call, but I would lean against no play-in tournament. What about yeah. you, Would you agree? So I actually came out, um, or I actually came to the point of where I think it should stay. And I was like kind of on the fence. I wasn't too sure. But after seeing how exciting these games were, how valuable this is, I think, for fans to see these teams in the play-in tournament, um, you know, with a winner-go-home, basically, scenario, I think that I am for it. Now, I think you made a couple good points, like talking about the injuries, talking about how you know, if you have a scenario where the Lakers, for example, who had a much better record than, say, the San Antonio Spurs, right? Like, the San Antonio Spurs were the 10 seed. They had a losing record. The war, uh, the Lakers won, like, 40 games. They were, like, 40-32. Much better record by, like, seven games, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So if you have a scenario where the 7 seed, by chance, loses both games, and then you have, like, a 10 seed who gets in because they happen to win that one game— that would be a little unfortunate, right? Because then in the playoffs, it's like, oh, now we don't get to see that potential team that maybe because they have injuries throughout the year, um, and then they finally, I guess just like in this scenario, they come back and then they happen to lose one or two of those games. That is definitely a negative part of it. I just think that overall, I think the excitement of this, this week, this last two weeks, I think that kind of overcomes it. And also, I think there's at least a little part of it that kind of discourages tanking that I really like. For example, with the Wizards, 
I think you can make an argument, and I don't know this for sure, but you can make an argument with how far out the Wizards were late in the season that if there wouldn't have been this opportunity for the 10 seed to make it in, that the Wizards may have mailed it in and may have said, hey, let's just you know go for a draft pick and we'll come back for next season with Russ Beal, maybe a, uh, a good young player, and let's just play for next season. So I think that's another aspect of it. And overall, I just think the positives outweigh the negatives as far as like the fan excitement. I think it's better um, late in the season mm-hmm. even because teams are battling to get into the play-in tournament. And then I think the taking aspect of it. But I think, like you said, one of the main negatives I think is there probably is a little bit more injury risk just because these players are playing for so much more near the end of the season. So it's, you know, it, it is a little bit of a trade-off, but I think the positives do outweigh the negatives. So... Quickly before we move on, because we got a lot more to talk about in the NBA, I, I want to talk about the tanking aspect. Because if I'm a team who's like borderline in the playoffs, maybe slightly out, I don't think it matters if you want to tank. Because really, in the NBA, especially nowadays, those first couple picks are only the only ones worth tanking for. You know, top two, three, four picks. If you didn't have a chance at those, I don't know if tanking is even in the cards at that point. You know, like yeah, you know, the, there's there's difference between what pick twelve and ten, but like how drastic is that difference? I'm not saying there's never good players at pick 10 or 12. What I am saying is that it tends to be that the guys in that top two or three end up being, you know, these huge, huge stars that are worth tanking for. But guys 10, you know, 12, 11, whatever, might not be quite as worth it. So I don't really buy the tanking take. However, Mm -hmm. I I, I fully agree that these games were so fun to watch and that they were really, really enjoyable. And from a fan perspective, a very, very good idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Wizards. So the Wizards m- might have been a difference between like, a, say, the nineteenth pick and like the twelfth pick. So I guess depending on the draft, that's another thing. Like maybe it depends on the draft too. Maybe you look at it and you say like, oh, if I can get like uh, maybe Davion Mitchell at pick eleven, which I don't know if he's going to fall that far, versus getting someone at definitely, nineteen definitely who's not won't nearly fall that as good. Um, but but he's I don't probably know. a top five guy. <laughs> he might be now after after the NCAA tournament. I mean, uh, he was so good in the tournament. Maybe I, I and maybe he should five. be too. I, so I that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just think the the tanking take gets kind of a little out there. Nine, even nineteen to twelve is not. There's no reason to tank from nineteen to twelve. You're not gonna you're not gonna gain anything in that in that perspective. Uh. At least in my opinion. But. Let's move on, Trevor, because I know we want to talk about the matchups. We have full round of playoff matchups, so wh- where do you want to start us off? What match we talk about first? Yeah, so I'm actually just going to start with uh, all of the games that happened yesterday. So I'm just going to go through the games that happened yesterday and also kind of talk about, I guess, the series as a whole. So there were okay. four games from yesterday. I'm going to go in order. The first one was my Miami Heat playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, um, coming in the series, I... I expect that the Bucks. I mean, they've been the better team all year. The Heat have not played as well um, as a lot of people expected. Um, to end the year, they played better. They got, Obviously, you saw some minutes with, like, Kendrick Nunn, who was playing better. Um, obviously, you know, Duncan Robinson. It's kind of just, like, depending on is he shooting well or is he not. Like, it's, yeah. it's very— Yeah, so I think he's had a bit of an off game. year. Not yeah, as good as last year at yeah, all. Yeah, he has— It's um, not horrible, but— Right, it's not as good as last year. I think one aspect of that might be just like, oh, teams have more time to scout him now. Like they have in the whole off season. It's like okay, we can kind of look into like when we play Duncan Robinson, how to guard him. I, th- I feel like that's at least part of it um, there. But nevertheless, he has you know not not quite as good of a season as maybe a lot of people would think. He didn't take that jump. Neither did Tyler Hero. But with this series, I think that there's a lot of interesting things. Um, going into it just because of because it's a rematch you know coming off of last year obviously the heat 
uh, beat them pretty handily in that series. Um, you know, Giannis didn't play quite as well as he normally uh, did. Obviously, from the free throw line, he was struggling a little bit. Um, still had good numbers in the box score overall, but just compared to what you would expect, maybe not quite the level. So they go out, obviously, they get Drew Holiday. Um, you know, they bring back Giannis, who has now signed this long-term contract. Obviously, still mm-hmm. you have Chris Middleton. And they almost kind of have like this big three now with Giannis, Middleton, um, and of course, Drew Holiday, which it's like, okay, now we're going for the title. Now we have the pieces to actually be a good playoff team, not just simply a good regular season team. And the Milwaukee Bucks, they've been talking about how Coach Bud, I think in post-game interviews, has talked about multiple times how they're experimenting with different like defensive schemes, experimenting with like uh, where they switch. Like, are they switching all pick and rolls? Are they switching just on like certain ones? Um, and they've been just really completely all in on, we don't care about the regular season as much. It's all about for the playoffs. So we're going to see how that turns out with for the Milwaukee um, yesterday, they did win game one in overtime over the Heat, 109-107, which, was, you know, obviously it was very unfortunate. Uh, Chris Middleton drained the game winner in overtime. Very great shot. Um, you know, got to give credit to him. Which with the Bucks, they're one of those teams where it's kind of like, who's their go-to guy? Who's the guy that's going to take that last shot? And I think the answer is Chris Middleton. Obviously, he made the one last night. So I think that's the answer. Um, as far as just who I think is going to win the series, like I kind of hinted at, or I might have already said it, I think the Bucks will win it if I'm being unbiased. I I just think, again, they're the better team. I think with Drew Holiday, we saw last night his defensive presence, I mean, being one of the best defenders in the league for, I don't know, eight to ten years now is too much. He had a big block against Jimmy Butler. I think that's going to really um, – be be hard for the Heat to deal with is the presence of Drew Holiday, and I think he's going to be the difference in this series. So, um, yes, like if we can get performances from Duncan Robinson, like last night where he's shooting seven of twelve from three, that would be great. Um, but we need more than just that. We need other guys to step up, um, and, and maybe guy maybe a guy like Goran Dragic will. He had a pretty good game yesterday. Obviously, I think playoff Dragic is a thing. Um, as we saw last year. So maybe Goran Dragic will have a hot shooting series um, and we end up pulling it out. But that's what we're going to need in order to beat the Bucs. It's, we're going to need an effort that we haven't seen all regular season from the Heat in order to beat Milwaukee. So what, what's your prediction this series, if you had a prediction? I think, so I said, I think the Bucks will win it in seven would be my prediction. I was between six and seven, but I think it will be seven. Uh, the Heat will give them a very hard-fought series. But ultimately, I think the Bucks will take it in seven games. So I, I'm not buying the Heat's performance this year quite as high as you are. I understand maybe you're slightly biased. I'm taking the Bucks in five. Um, I feel like all the games are going to be close, you know. But I, I, I don't see this series going to six or seven. I just think Giannis is probably slightly too much um, for for the Heat defense, even Jimmy Butler. Um, but that's just my opinion, you know. What's yeah, our totally. What's our next matchup? Yeah, so next up, I'm going to go with uh, the Mavericks and Clippers. The Mavericks did beat the Clippers in Game 1, 113-103. Luka with an awesome performance, another triple-double, which Luka is, which this stat surprised me. Luka's the only Maverick with a triple-double in the playoffs, and I think he has three of them now um, in his first uh, two playoff appearances. Pretty crazy there. Um, And on the Clippers' side, it's like, okay, you guys didn't want to face the Lakers, so you guys purposely lost games to get the matchup you wanted. Well, okay, here's the matchup you wanted. It's the Mavericks, and you're losing game one. So 
Uh, it's <laughs> I'd be a little nervous if I'm a Clipper fan. It doesn't look great on them, and they just really have no excuse. Now, I still think the Clippers will win it. Um, my prediction was that they would win it in six. I'll stick with it, but I'm definitely hesitant because Luka was really good in this one, and the Clippers just, I don't know. It, it, it seems like there's still something missing. They haven't really... Uh, Obviously, they thought Rondo was going to be the missing piece. I don't know if he is. Um, obviously, he had a really good playoffs last year with the Lakers. But there's just something about the Clippers where it feels like... Um, and I don't I don't like using this kind of like talk because I don't really feel like it actually matters as much as some people do. But it kind of feels like the Clippers don't want it as bad as the Mavericks do. I, I don't know. That's at least... Part of the, part of the thing, I guess. But what, what do you think about this series? Were you surprised that the Mavericks won Game One? Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty surprised. I feel like Kawhi Leonard should have been able to do a better job against Doncic the times that he was on him. But um, I would have said this series could go to six two. But you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel like it's gonna go to seven. I just have this feeling that it's gonna go to seven. I I feel like you know there's there's gonna be this hunger from the from the Mavs, especially you know potentially. Knowing that the Clippers lost some games, so they could they could get them instead of the Lakers, um, you know. So I, I'll be bold here. I'll take the the Clippers in seven. I I still see them winning, um, but they, I 100% agree. It just seems like they aren't gonna quite click enough to really make a deep run. It, it just does, you're right. Like something is missing. I don't know what it yeah. is, but it does feel like something is missing. Yeah, definitely like you kind of hinted at, like bulletin board material for the Mavericks, you know, kind of if they tell themselves like, hey, the Clippers wanted us, let's show them why they're wrong mm-hmm. and they should not have wanted to face us. Exactly. So, you know, that that may be the case, but uh, definitely an interesting series there. Uh, the next series uh, we're going to talk about is in the Eastern Conference, the Nets and the Celtics. Now, this series to me, I think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be close. It might be a sweep. For it could totally be a sweep. I have the Nets in five over the Celtics. Obviously, the Celtics without Jalen Brown, pretty much completely leaning on Jason Tatum. Yes, Kemba, he's been better as of late. He can have some good games, um, but I I just don't see it being enough against you know this uh, just insane uh, triple threat. I guess and James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. I I don't see how they can win more than one. Even one game might even be. Be generous, to be honest. I think they will get one, though, just because they have Jason Tatum. And like I said, if he has, like, that one game every so often where he puts up, you know, 50 or so, I think they can steal it. But at the end of the day, you got Harden, who's kind of been running, you know, kind of the point guard, facilitating very well, almost had a triple-double yesterday. Durant, just who... Durant, who seems to never get rusty, ever. It doesn't matter if he hasn't played in three months or or... I don't know, eight months, he's still going to come back and he's going to score 25, 30 points and be pretty efficient too. You know, he's very efficient last night, uh, very good performance. And then obviously Kyrie, who who could just completely go nuts at any moment. So yeah, I, I don't see this being all that close of a series. What about you? I, I agree with you. I think it's a good out of five. I, the Nets are the type of team where if they don't have quite as good of a shooting night, they're not as good defensively because of Harden and Kyrie, especially in the front court. Um so, or excuse me, backcourt. So, I, in my opinion, I, I think the Celtics will take one, but the Nets are too good. They're, they're not going to lose many more games than one, if any. Um, so, I, I'll take the, the Nets in five for sure. I mean, the Nets are going to go far. As long as they stay healthy, they'll, they'll, they'll go quite deep in these playoffs. Yeah, definitely. 
So then the final game we had from last night was the Blazers and the Nuggets. That series, which to me, uh, you know, I, I guess we were going to talk about which series we think is the best. I th- I'll just say it right now. I think this is the best series. It's the series that I'm most excited. And I think it's probably the series that I'm most on the fence about who's going to win it. Because I feel like these teams are very evenly matched, actually. You know, Jokic, obviously, he's going to be the MVP. He's been incredible this year. He was incredible last night. Um, however, we did see the Blazers win that one, 123 to 109. So the Blazers now, they steal one in Denver. They're up 1-0. Damian Lillard was very good. Overall, I think they made 19 threes, just a three-point barrage uh, from the Blazers, which hard to beat a team when they make 19 threes, I would say. Um, but this one, now I picked it, and I, I tweeted out all my picks on Twitter. I picked the Nuggets in seven. But I am very hesitant about that after uh, watching that game last night, seeing the Blazers win. Um, I just think it's going to be an incredible series. You know, the the Blazers definitely have the edge when it comes to the guard play, right? Because obviously the Nuggets, they don't have Jamal Murray. They're kind of relying on um, some of these. I mean, they're relying on their forwards. They're relying on obviously Jokic and they're relying on Michael Porter Jr., who still is a very young player to do a lot of the damage. Um, and even like Aaron Gordon, as far as the guards, like Austin, there's their starting guards last night were Austin Rivers and uh, Campazzo, who is who was a young player. Um, and and I mean just those two names, Austin Rivers and Campazzo as your starting guards. That's not like. I wouldn't be super confident if I'm a Nuggets fan, but still I somehow picked the Nuggets in seven. So I'll just stick with it just because I like to do that. I like to stick with my picks. But if I if I were to do it over again, I'd, I'd think hard and might pick the Blazers because you got Dame, you got CJ, both guys who can make big shots, especially in the biggest moments. And if we get like a lot of tight games and you're talking about who do you trust more to make like a big shot, like Dame or Jokic, I think in that department I think I'm going Dame um and then also if you're the Nuggets you have to get the ball to Jokic because Jokic isn't bringing the ball up every time so you on the last play it's like harder to get it to him I feel like so if you have like Austin Rivers taking your last shot I'm, I'm not very confident in that but like I said everything I've just said sounds like I think the Blazers are gonna win yet I still pick the Nuggets I guess so it doesn't make sense but what, what do you think about the series Brandon? I'm taking the Blazers in seven. Damian Lillard's the best player on the floor, in my opinion. I understand Jokic had an amazing year. Um, Damian Lillard is is fabulous with the ball in his hands. You know, we got so many great last second shots from Dame, where you know he's gonna have a couple of them, in my opinion, um, in this in these playoffs. Um, so I'm gonna take the Blazers in seven. I, I just have a lot of faith in Damian Lillard and you know his tenacity in the end game scenarios. Yeah, def- definitely going to be a really good series. Do you, do you think that's that's the best one, or do you want to do you want to save which one you think is the best series? I I, I got a better series. I got a okay. better series. All right, let's move on then to all of the games that we have today. We are starting off with one that I I would guess certainly will not be your favorite one. That is the 76ers and Wizards, the one eight matchup here. And I think similarly to the Nets Celtics, I think this one is also not very close. I think Joel Embiid will have a very dominant series. Obviously, you have some really good, uh, just a really great defensive team all year with the Sixers, obviously, and Ben Simmons, who has a very good case for Defensive Player of the Year. My, my, If I was going to pick a Defensive Player of the Year, I think I probably would pick Ben Simmons. Rudy Gobert's obviously been great, but I, I just my leaning would be Ben Simmons. He's been a great defender. And you have, uh, obviously, Harris. You have Seth Curry. Now they have added, who's a very good three-point shooter, 
not not as good as his brother, but still very good. Um, and, and you know, there's the Sixers have been very strong all year. Yes, the Wizards they do have Beal and Westbrook, which any game they can kind of go off, but. I, more often than not, I don't think they're going to be able to have the performances necessary to uh, over to, to beat the Sixers. So I have the Sixers in five in this one. I, again, consider it a sweep, but I said uh, the Sixers in five. Now, my bias might show a little bit, but Russell Westbrook loves his first-round exits, and this is going to be no different. I will take the Sixers in four, a nice queen, clean sweep. Uh, the Wizards, I think, are the only playoff team that has a below- 500 record. Um, I just don't think they're that great, and Russell Westbrook is an overrated basketball player collectively. Um, so the Wizards will lose in four. 100%. All right. All right. Let's move on to the next one. We got the Lakers and the Suns. Uh, the two seed Suns and the seven seed Lakers. Man, that that's just sentence. That seems crazy. And also, this really sucks for Phoenix. I, I think I mentioned this before when it seemed like we were going to get this. Now we do have it. It really sucks because Phoenix has been a good team all year. Second best record in the NBA. Only a game behind the Utah Jazz. They won 51 games. I mean, that's just incredible. Obviously, Chris Paul, again, like we've talked about, you know, coming to another team and they have just so much success. Devin Booker, a really good year. I had him on my third team All-NBA. He's been incredible. You have guys like Macau Bridges. Uh, one of my favorites, Javon Carter, coming off the bench from West Virginia, uh, playing really good defense. Uh, they got Aiton. So it's they're a really fun team. But in the end, I feel like the Lakers, they're going to get better as this series goes on, and I think they're going to have enough to win it. I have Lakers in six. I think... It might be there. There might be a point in time in this series where it seems like the net, the Suns might take it, but at the end of the day, I think the Lakers will really kick it into gear when we get into like games four, five, six, and I think uh, they will take it. You'll see, uh, you know, a couple really good games from LeBron, maybe, or actually, I, I think this could actually be Anthony Davis's big standout series just because of this matchup. Um, you know, Aiton, I think he's. You know, he's still learning, right? He's a young player, so at times on defense, he's not always in the right place. So I think with a guy like Anthony Davis, also who can kind of, you know, stretch the floor, Anthony Davis can hit some threes. He's really in the post. Um, just very versatile offensive player. And then obviously we know he's capable on defense. So I think Anthony Davis is going to have a huge series. And I and I got the Lakers. I just, I, I know that, you know, the entry concerns, they haven't played together a lot, but it's it's very difficult to pick against them. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. Lakers in six. Uh, I, I don't see them losing. It really does suck. I really like the Suns. I love Chris Paul. Uh, he's one of the most underrated players, I think, honestly, ever in the NBA. Super looked down upon um, just because he hasn't you know, had a ton of playoff success. But all the teams, he'll take a team that's terrible and make them better. You know, I mean, the Suns were not a great basketball team. They had talent, but they weren't a great basketball team. I mean, they just won 51 games. That's crazy. I, I think this will go to six. It, it sucks that the Suns got this draw. I wish they could have gotten the one seed to play the Grizzlies and then play the Lakers in the conference finals, at least have them have a good season. Um, yeah. You know, end of the season, I guess you could say. So I'll take the Lakers in six, but this is going to be a hard series. It's going to be a difficult series. Um, and the Suns will, will put up a very good fight. And I'll, yeah. I'll say, I, I want to point out, you know, we we have some fun games in the playoffs. This next game we're going to talk about, if I have the order correctly, what game are you talking about next, actually? Uh, the Hawks-Knicks. So, yeah, 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 okay. I'm excited for this series. Both teams have the exact same record. Both teams were terrible two years ago. Honestly, even 
I mean, could we say the Hawks were terrible last year? Maybe not. I mean, they were like average, I guess, or like. All right, so we'll say two eh. years ago. Now both players have some young stars. I guess Julius Randle's not super young, but Trey Young, Julius Randle. I am beyond excited for this series. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so this series is very intriguing. Just as you mentioned, we haven't really seen uh, these teams in the playoffs. The Knicks since, I believe, 2012 or 13. It was one of those years. The Hawks um, haven't... Obviously, they had their success with, like, the team that got the one seed before getting completely demolished in the playoffs um, back in, I think, 2015. Team had, like, Corver. <laughs> yeah, Corver and, uh, uh, you know, all those guys, Paul Millsap and Al Horford. But, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a very e- very evenly matched series, I think, overall. Um, the Knicks being the four seed, they get home court advantage. You know, and that's something else to mention, like, we're starting to see more fans come back in this uh, the stands, which you're really starting to notice it now because I think like last night um, in particular in I think the Nets game, you kind of could see it and like the fans are affecting the crowd. Certainly, I think the Warriors in the Chase Center when they played Memphis, you could really feel the presence. And I just love that. It's good that we're starting to get fans back in the stands. And also, I think for the Knicks especially, obviously, such you know a, a loyal fan base. They have so many fans. Um, and it's going to be really interesting if we get into a, a Game 7 in New York, which I think we're going to get, by the way. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, those Knicks fans in Game 7. Of course, Spike Lee, I'm sure he'll be courtside um, in a potential Game 7. That'll be very interesting. I, At the end of the day, I do have the Knicks winning it. I have them winning it in seven games. And I think the difference for me is that in the playoffs, you know, things kind of slow down a little bit, right? Like, it's been talked about how, like, maybe the refs, maybe they'll swallow their whistle a little bit occasionally. They won't call as many of these ticky-tack fouls that, for a player like Trey Young, he sometimes relies on, you know? And some of these other players with Atlanta, these more, like, skilled players, finesse players, uh, like Trey Young, you know, you got Bogdanovich, uh, you got some of these other other guys. Uh, John Collins has been very good. But I think they're a team that without that, it may hurt them a little bit. Whereas the Knicks, very great defensive team. Obviously, Tibbs is the coach, so it makes sense. You have players like Julius Randle, like Derrick Rose, R.J. Barrett. Mm -hmm. Just a very good defensive team. I think that favors them a little bit. And then also, I think having the fans in a potential Game 7 will favor them. And so, at the end of the day, I think the Knicks will win the series. I don't even know if they're the better team. I think the Hawks actually might be the better team, but I think the Knicks are going to pull out the series. And I think Julius Randle, um, throughout, I think in the regular season series, Julius Randle has kind of owned the Hawks. And I think we'll have we'll see him have a really good series uh, in this one as well. And obviously, it's going to be fun to watch Derrick Rose back in the playoffs too. Yeah, I'm super excited uh, for this series. And I, I really, really hope the Knicks win. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say Knicks in seven. I hope the series goes to, to seven no matter what, because that game seven will be absolutely fabulous. But I'll keep it nice and short. Knicks in seven. All right. Yeah, definitely going to be a fantastic series. So so was that your – do you think that's your uh, – the series oh, you're yeah. looking forward to most? Oh, yeah. yeah. That that one – I'm obviously the Lakers. I'm a huge LeBron fan. But the, the Hawks-Knicks, I think, will be the, the series I'm most excited for. Yeah, it's definitely up there for me. It's – Either second or third, I would say. It's it's up there. But then we get to the last series. It is the Jazz and the Grizzlies, the 1-8 matchup. Um, now, this one's going to be very interesting. It's going to be fun to see John Morant in his first playoffs. Um, I already talked about Jonas Valanciunas. And then a player who I didn't mention, uh, Dylan Brooks, who 
you know, from Oregon, obviously. He's a player I really liked watching at Oregon. Good three-point shooter, very good defender. And we have seen how his defense has really just evolved, and he's become kind of the guy that, you know, if, if there's a tough assignment, if they're going up against Steph Curry or Damian mm-hmm. Lillard or any one of these players, Dylan Brooks is the guy that's guarding that player. And it's just been good to see Dylan Brooks's growth. I believe he was drafted like like mid to late second round back in 2017, which looking back on the draft, it's like, man, a lot of teams messed up because Dylan Brooks is definitely not, you know, 45th best player. He's like he's definitely top 10. So he's been impressive as well. Um, and I'm sure he'll be guarding Donovan Mitchell a lot of the time in this series. Now, with Donovan Mitchell, we're not even sure if he's going to play today. I believe he will. But he has been injured, like a minor injury, uh, the past couple weeks. Um, so hopefully he's back. That's at least something that you, I think, if you're a Jazz fan, should be worried about at least a little bit. However, I think, you know, it seemed like it is minor. It seems like he will be all right uh, when he comes back. And I think the Jazz, as a team, um, because even without him, they've still played very well. I think they're going to be too much for the Grizzlies in this one. Um, I have the Jazz in five. I just think that combination, you have Mitchell, Conley, uh, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, all of those really solid guards. And then you have Rudy Gobert, with, and you can run, obviously, the Mitchell-Gobert pick-and-roll, very lethal. And then on defense, what Gobert does to kind of affect shots can get out, obviously, his long wingspan to affect like mid-range jumpers and such. And then, obviously, his rim protection, you know, mm-hmm. making it easier for other defenders to kind of like uh, help help on defense like Ingles and those other guys. So I think the Utah Jazz will win the series, like I said, in five games. And, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting for at least a couple of games, but at the end of the day, Jazz, is gonna, they're going to take it. If if the the Grizzlies had John Jackson, who I believe is out for the year, correct? No, so he was... He's he back? He has been back, but he's ha- like he's kind of been playing like limited minutes. Like, when they played the Warriors, he wasn't out there in crunch time, which was kind of strange because I was like, okay... Well, it, I guess it wasn't strange because it's like, okay, well, there's a reason why they aren't playing him. He probably still is a little—he's not fully right, it seems like. So I guess that's kind of what it is. It's like, he's not 100%, but he's there, right? Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So I, I think if, if John Jackson was fully healthy, this series would go to seven. Um, however, he's not. So I, I, I can't take the Grizzlies here. Um, I, I'm going to have to go with um, the Jazz in six. I just think they're a little bit too much, even with Donovan Mitchell not quite at 100%. Um, yeah, I have to take the Jazz. I do. I think the Jazz are going to go far um, in the playoffs. So that, that's interesting that you said that. Um, so if the what if the Warriors would have been in this series? Would you still, like, what would be your prediction if it was Warriors-Jazz? It'd probably be the same thing. I, I don't think the Warriors would have had, like, a much better chance than the Grizzlies. Because the, okay. I mean, the Warriors aren't that great of a basketball team like we've already talked about. It's yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. Steph is insane. Okay, I gotcha. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Any Anything else you want to talk about uh, before we wrap it up here, Trevor? No, I think that's about it. I mean, just looking forward to the playoffs. Awesome. A lot of great matchups. Oh, it's going to be great. And uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be wonderful. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. We really, really appreciate all the support you've given to the Small Baller Podcast Network. Um, of course, go listen to uh, Josh's podcast, the 12th Row Podcast, Josh and Will. They talk about soccer. Of course, subscribe to our podcast and leave that five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. Um, of course, we have our Twitter account uh, for the podcast network. You can go find all of our podcasts. It's at the Small Ball on Twitter or click the link in the description. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons.